This is the Tips for Lawyers podcast, where you will learn about the practical skills and mindset you need to be more productive, serve your clients better, add value to your firm, and take your legal career to the next level. Hey there, guys, and welcome to another Tips for Lawyers podcast. This is Chris Hargraves from tipsforlawyers.com, and today we are going to talk about performance reviews, everyone's favorite topic. It's coming up to June, July. I know that a lot of lawyers in Australia are going to be coming up to their performance reviews. I just had mine. You might have seen it. I did a little post about it on tipsforlawyers.com, and I'll put a link for that in the show notes, uh, which today it's episode seven, so that means we're going to find the show notes at tipsforlawyers.com slash episode 007, and there, as always, I'll put links to anything I talk about that might be of interest, and a quick summary if you just need a refresher of what we've spoken about or want any key information. Before I get into that, have you checked out the new website? I'm not sure exactly how many people who listen to the podcast go to the website, but I have put a new website up over the last couple of weeks. I quite like it. It's a bit sleeker. It's a bit more uh, streamlined. It's a bit closer to what I'm hoping to aim for in terms of a minimalistic website, a bit less glaring, you know, a little bit less color. So go and check it out, tipsforlawyers.com. I'd love any comments or observations you had about it, uh, whether you like it, whether you don't like it, anything you think uh, might be improve to make it a more friendly user experience so head on over there and let me know and that all being said it's time to get into the podcast so performance reviews or performance appraisals what are they well they are if you haven't experienced one yet and most people have let's face it but uh, to the uninitiated a performance review normally takes place every 12 months or six months sometimes if you're really unlucky they take place every three months but It's a more formal process that most firms engage in to gauge how you're going. It normally involves a delightful component of self-assessment where you get to fill out a form and make some observations about yourself. And there's always that dilemma, how do I fill out the form? Do I be really honest and brutally harsh on myself or do I go for optimistic and hope that my boss agrees with me? Bit of a tough call and we'll have a talk about that in a minute. But by and large, I think it's generally accepted that everybody hates performance reviews and for a lot of places that includes your bosses so I know it seems like you're the only one that hates them but I can can assure you that most partners of law firms in fact loathe performance reviews as well and the reason for that should be pretty obvious it's because they want to be getting on with lawyering most partners in fact really don't like doing that management administrative human resource type stuff that involves reviewing people and there's a few other reasons for that too Uh, because really law firms don't do performance reviews very well. And I I have written about that a couple of times, so I'm not going to go into that now, but I will put a couple of links to some articles about performance reviews that I've put on the site recently in the show notes. And do check them out because I think there are some improvements that law firms can make to their performance review process and to the way in which they actually approach management and coaching and improvement of staff. But as it stands... For the moment, performance reviews in this annualised or semi-annualised process are here to stay, and so we might as well have a talk about why we hate them and maybe some things we can do uh, to get over that and maybe to make them actually useful as best we can in the circumstances. And really, we hate them because they're terrifying. I I mean, think about it. You go on for a year doing things that you may or may not get feedback about, and then all of a sudden, you're expected to walk into a room and get told all the things that you've done wrong. And there's a number of potential issues that we're going to face 
leading up to that. And really, I want to talk about, as the first thing today, the fears that we have going into the performance review. And this is designed to actually help you get past your fears, because when you look at them, they're actually not always rational, and they're not always as bad as we create them in our own heads. So the first fear I wanted to have a talk about is the fear of the unknown. And really for performance reviews, this is where you, the junior lawyer or the graduate, you're going in for your performance review, you've filled out your forms as best you could, and you actually just have no earthly idea what it is your partner or your supervisor is going to say. You have no clue. Are they going to disagree with you? Are they going to tell you you're rubbish? Are they going to criticize you in front of the HR person or the other partner who's there? Uh, how is the process going to go? You know, are they friendly? Are they not friendly? Is it really formal? Is it informal? And I've had both sides of this spectrum. I've had very formal reviews and I've had very informal reviews. In fact, sometimes my reviews have just been a quick chat after about five rescheduling so we could fill out and sign off on the form. So they do take a fair number of forms. And if you haven't experienced a review with this particular partner, they can be a little nerve wracking. One of the easy ways, of course, to get around that is to find someone else in your firm, if you can, who's also being reviewed by that same partner or those partners, and just ask them how it goes. Most people are pretty prepared to talk about that kind of thing, so just have a chat with someone. Hey, what's such and such like? If you're filling out a self-assessment form, and I'm not going to give you any tips here because everyone hates them, so just get over it and do it. But if you're filling out a self-assessment form, it can be useful to know what kind of approach that partner takes. So in the past, I've had firms where the particular partner I worked for really didn't expect you to give yourself a five out of five for too many things unless there was no room for improvement. And frankly, if you're willing to say that there's no room for improvement on something, be prepared to be told how you can improve on it and the ways in which you can improve because saying you're perfect at something is a pretty big call and I wish you luck if you're going to do that. On the other hand, there are some other metrics around there. You know, if the rankings are excellent or very good or things like that, they're a little bit more subjective. So you might be in a position to give yourself some higher rankings there. But really, the fear of the unknown is pretty easily solved because you can turn it into the known very simply by asking a few of your colleagues, a few of the staff. And really, the other thing you could do is just try sound out the partner if they're approachable. And that should give you a good idea how the review is going to go anyway. But just ask them how they want you to approach the filling out of the form. Don't take up heaps of their time because they don't really care, remember, that much, most of them. But do spend a little bit of time trying to figure out the approach you can take. And that will really help to alleviate that fear of the unknown that sometimes comes up. The second thing we're worried about here is criticism. Uh, and connected with that is embarrassment. So... What we have often is a situation in larger firms where there might be one or two partners, sometimes a partner or an HR person will attend with them, and that creates a situation where there might be someone you know really well and someone you don't know so well. And there's always the opportunity for you to be criticised and embarrassed in that situation. And really all I have to say about that is to get you thinking about what is the worst case scenario for you in terms of a performance review if you're a little bit embarrassed. And then the second thing I want you to think about is what is the source of your embarrassment? Because really the only reason you have to be embarrassed in the face of criticism is if it's criticism that has been levelled at you before and it's something that you've been asked to fix before and you haven't done it, 
or you haven't been willing to do it, or you know you're still bad at it and you're afraid to own up to it and you were hoping your partner wouldn't notice. So the cause for embarrassment normally is an acknowledgement of the problem. Now, sometimes it's because you might have a partner who's ranting and raving, but that's not that often the case these days. Genuinely, or generally, I should say, partners want to give you a fairly honest appraisal as best they can of what they think about your work. Often it's a combination of good and bad. You know, you'll get that age old, hey, you do this really well, but I think you can improve on that. That's the kind of tact a lot of partners take to make sure they're balancing out the good with the bad because most of us have good and bad qualities as well. I know for my reviews, there are some things that I should have improved on last year that I just haven't improved on enough this year. And those are things I've identified again in my own self-assessment. Uh, and the partner certainly agreed with me about a couple of those things. But I mean, they're not game breakers, most of these things. They're just things we need to work on. And we'll come back to that in a minute about working on that kind of thing. Because I think it's important to really appreciate that embarrassment normally stems from an acknowledgement of the problem. And this is where if you are filling out a self-assessment form, what you can do is just own up to it straight away. Because the only cause for criticism and embarrassment is really when you haven't owned up to it. And if you recognize that it's a problem and you mark yourself or make a comment accordingly on the self-assessment form or you come out on the front foot and say it, you're really taking ownership of the issue and it's going to minimize the embarrassment that you may suffer in the face of someone else who's not necessarily as familiar with you as the partner in question might be. Now, remember, the other thing I said to think about is what's the worst case scenario? Frankly, a little bit of red-faced embarrassment is not going to kill you. It'll just leave you feeling, you know, a little bit uh, unusual. You'll go back, you'll sulk in your office for a few minutes, and then you can get on with life. So uh, don't worry too much about embarrassment. It is very rare in my experience, and it's not impossible, but it is very rare for anyone to be fired out of a performance review. And the reason for that is this. Performance reviews are really designed to take a look at existing staff who they want to keep and see how they're tracking against their various criteria that the firm values, or at least that someone in the HR department thinks the firm values. So yes, they will look at your billing. They will look at your uh, general write-offs. That is how much time have you recorded but hasn't been recoverable. They will look at how many files are under your control, how you play nicely with others or otherwise, whether you are a good supervisor, if you have people that are sort of working under you, and likewise, whether you work well with people above you. They'll look at a lot of those team dynamics are very important in these sorts of things. They'll look at punctuality and diligence and all that kind of stuff. And it's a, it's a wide range of things. And most of the time, none of those things are going to get you fired. Because if they were going to fire you, it's unlikely they would have waited to a performance review to do it. They're just going to fire you after they've given you an appropriate number of warnings. And frankly, if you haven't seen that coming, then you're just not paying enough attention. So don't freak out too much about your performance review. If the worst thing that happens is you're a little bit embarrassed, then frankly, who cares? Now, the second option, though, in terms of criticism and something we might be concerned about is getting into a massive argument with the partner in question. Now, obviously, that's not a great idea. And so you've got to be prepared if there's an issue that you're pretty sure your partner is going to raise and you have a reasonable response to it that you can say to that partner. And sometimes these issues you can't say to that partner it needs to be said to someone else. But if it's a response that you can say to that partner and it's something that you can articulate well 
and have a justifiable reason for or justifiable reason to disagree with the partner's assessment, then don't be too afraid to make your case there as long as you do it respectfully, as long as you do it articulately. But bear in mind that if the partner's raising the issue, it's clear that they think it's an issue. And if you've tried to persuade them before about you being right about taking a different approach to something or using a different method and you've failed, then I don't think necessarily trying to raise it again in your review is a good idea because if you have already had the discussion and the partners come out and said, thanks for the discussion, I don't agree with you, do it my way, uh, then you're just not doing it the right way anymore. Unless it's an ethical issue or something specifically prevents you from being able to do it the partner's way, if you have raised your issue and you've been told to continue to do it the way that the partner has preferred, then really... Uh, you're in the wrong and they're in the right. So uh, if you want to try and change that particular position, you're going to have to be more persuasive than you were in the past and that probably doesn't involve bringing it up at your performance review, to be perfectly honest. So uh, you'll need to prepare your arguments pretty well in that circumstance, but don't be afraid to disagree with some kinds of criticism. And it has happened in the past, or if you don't understand it, question it. Say, I don't know what you're getting at. You're saying I don't work well with others well, who do you mean? Is there anyone in particular you think I don't work well with and why do you think that? You know, Because if you think you're a team player and your partner doesn't think you're a team player, then that's a problem and you need to get to the bottom of that question. We're going to see the reasons why in a few minutes when I get to the next part of this particular podcast. So those are really the three main fears I think that people have of performance reviews, which is fear, criticism, and embarrassment. And we've had a quick chat about how we can deal with each of those things. I know I really just said with embarrassment, you'll have to just live with it, but that is a way of dealing with it. Uh, Perhaps less helpful than some of the other tips, but you'll get over it. So the next thing I wanted to talk about is really what we can do with a performance appraisal and how we can make it useful and beneficial so that the next performance appraisal, whether it be three, six or 12 months later, you've got a much stronger platform to stand on because performance appraisals of course have an impact on how much you're paid your promotions and various other issues to do with your status in the firm so a positive performance appraisal is always good feedback and if you are deliberately and consciously addressing issues that are raised in your performance appraisal then you're going to be much better placed in the following years and even in the following months as they see you taking steps to alleviate the issues that were raised or improve on particular issues I mean, those things are visible, they are noticed, and it doesn't necessarily need to wait 12 months before those things start having an impact on how you're viewed within the firm. The first thing I wanted to suggest isn't really directly connected with the performance appraisal, but it's connected with improvement generally. Now, really what we find is that improvement can't just take place in bulk. You don't just get 25 criticisms leveled at you in a performance review, and then you go off and you fix them all instantly. No, really the best way for you to be improving is to be looking for constant input. Now, I don't mean hourly input, and I don't even mean you need to go into your partner's office every single day and say, hey, how did I go yesterday? Was it okay? Was everything good? No, don't become that person because then you're just annoying. But look for opportunities to get proper input, and sometimes that input might be in the form of changes to your letters, It might be the red pen method of input. It might be verbal feedback. But if you've got a partner who's not giving you that input, then you might need to seek opportunities to get it through the year rather than all in bulk at your performance appraisal. So 
If you've had a performance appraisal and there are issues you need to address, and particularly if they're serious issues, you need to address them quickly, then prioritize them out and see, implement some strategies and then go from there and actually get that input on a more timely basis than simply annually at your performance reviews. Because if you've had to wait 11 months for something only to realize that what you've been doing for the entire year has been rubbish, then that's not very useful for you, is it? Because you're in the habit of doing that thing now and you needed to address it earlier because now it's much harder to stop doing it. The second thing really, and I sort of dealt with it back in the criticism level, but when it comes to performance appraisals, you need to be completely honest and completely upfront. Like I said, it's a great way of getting rid of the potential for argument and embarrassment because you're on the front foot raising the issue. It doesn't then sound like a criticism to you. It's you acknowledging a problem. But the second thing is self-awareness is really the easiest path to self-improvement because you need to be able to spot what things you aren't doing right. If you've got delusions of grandeur and you think you're awesome at everything, I can tell you now that you're wrong. So you need to take a closer look in the mirror. You need to be able to assess yourself properly. And if necessary, find a trusted colleague or a friend or a peer and get them to give you some honest feedback. But you need to give them permission that the feedback be honest about things they can that you can improve on. So if you have a mentor or if you have someone within the firm who's not necessarily your reviewing partner who can give you some honest feedback, it might help you reflect a little bit more yourself. You may not agree with it all, but it will give you an opportunity to take a good look in the mirror, reflect on those issues a little bit more, and then you can be truly honest in your own report and identify some issues that you might need to improve upon. But you've also got to be upfront. So honesty is one thing, but upfront is another. So get on the front foot with these things and bring them up. The final thing, and it's really the biggest thing out of performance appraisals and the thing firms do most terribly, and frankly, the thing we as individual lawyers don't do as well, is to actually action the things that are raised in the performance appraisal. Because the whole point of it is that you get better at things, not that you just get reviewed every year and they raise the same things time and time again, even though sometimes that does happen. But you need to actually address the things that are raised. Now, this is going to take one of a couple of forms because the reason firms aren't very good at this kind of thing is because they raise the issues and then you leave and then they think they've fixed it by raising the issues. But in fact, you have no earthly idea how to go about fixing some things and it depends what they are and it depends on what your partner's like and what your relationship's like with other lawyers around the firm in terms of that kind of feedback. But you need to take responsibility for identifying what the most important things are, prioritizing them as to how you're going to improve them, and then actually getting on with it. If you're going to improve your letter writing, how are you going to do it? It's a nebulous goal to have to just say, I'm going to write better letters. If you need to get into work earlier because you're consistently late, then how are you going to do it? Don't just say, I'm going to get into work earlier. No, you need to put a strategy into place for each of the things you're going to improve. And I don't necessarily suggest you should be doing them all at once because you will put too much of a burden on yourself if you try to do too many things. You need to structure them out from the most important to the least important. And then you need to start knocking some off that list by implementing new habits or new strategies or new ways of working that actually seek to address those issues. And there's too many issues for me to give too many examples. They're frank frankly innumerable issues that could be raised in a performance review. The second thing, and it's a, another component of that, is though if you don't know how to address those things, then ask. 
Ask the person who gave you that feedback, how do you suggest I go about doing it? How can I write letters better? I think I was doing okay, but what is it I need to do? What approach do I need to take to start addressing these issues? Because most partners will be happy to give you feedback. They're just a bit oblivious to the fact that they really need to. We don't all know how to fix every issue that's raised. Sometimes we just sit there going, yep, that's a problem, but frankly, I've got no clue. So make sure if you do nothing else from your performance review, if issues are raised, write them down or think about them and go, how specifically am I going to fix this thing? And that is the most important thing you can do out of a performance review. It's definitely the way you're going to get the best out of it. And frankly, if you've got the opportunity to get feedback from a senior lawyer and they give you that feedback, then you need to put it into practice because most of the time they know what they're talking about. Not all the time. Uh, so some, some senior lawyers have no clue, but most of the time they know what they're talking about and you should take heed of what they're telling you, if only for your career prospects in that particular firm being somewhat dependent upon it. So those are my tips for performance reviews. I hope it's given you a good overview as we come into performance review season, uh, at least depending on when you're listening to this. So make the most out of it. It's a it's a piece of drudgery going through the performance reviews and everybody hates it, like I said before, but make the most out of it. Get the feedback you need. Be honest. Don't worry too much about those various issues that concern us going into it and then take some steps to actually start improving, which can only be beneficial for you in the long run. That's all I had today. Take a look at the show notes, tipsforlawyers.com slash episode 007, and I'll see you next time.